So guys, we are going to take the Prince of Peace series on the road the next couple of weeks. I've been traveling and um, just got back to my hotel room. I had just had to go get a COVID test to be able to get back into the United States and um, sat by on my email waiting for the results to come. And fortunately, when I got it back, it said negative. So I've got the green light to be able to come back to the United States. But I was thinking as I waited for that test about what happens if I get that test back and it says positive and I have to spend the next 10 days here waiting to get home. And isn't that true in so many aspects of our lives? We get that text that talks about a death that has occurred. We get that voicemail that has a diagnosis that we don't want to hear. We get the email that talks about a deal that's gone south. And it's so interesting to me because there are moments when chaos just strikes and we haven't planned for it. We haven't spent time really thinking about what it means. But in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of those circumstances that just happen upon us, we can look to the Prince of Peace. And so if you think about what we've done so far, we've established that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Last week, we established a model to look at the stories of Jesus in the New Testament so that we can think about how to let that peace wash over us. But what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is look at specific examples where Jesus as the Prince of Peace stepped into a situation. And so this week, we're looking at this notion of what happens when chaos enters our lives and we need Jesus to step in. So let's pray together and then we're going to get into the word. Lord, we're grateful for you today. We're, I'm grateful that I got a negative COVID test. And um, I just want to say thank you for this chance to be together with these guys virtually, to spend some time looking at the model for how we can cling to you. Father, help us to realize that when the storms just whip up around us, when the squall comes in, you are able to take control and you're able to give us a sense of surety and a peace that just is unlike any other. So Father, thank you for your word. Make it come to life to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to go to a familiar story today in Mark 4. Um, and there are lots of accounts where the disciples get into boats. And, you know, it's interesting to me because if you think about it, we see those disciples traveling a lot. Maybe it was because Peter was a fisherman, maybe because they were used to being on the sea. But we're going to look at one of those stories today as we think about a squall that came upon the disciples and look at how Jesus acted to be able to get them through it. So if you'll go to Mark 4, we're going to be in Mark 4, 35 through 41. And it says in Mark 4, 35, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. When I look at this, one of the things that I just want to stop and pause to say is that when the disciples got into the boat, it was Jesus who told them where they were going to go. Jesus set the direction. And I think about the examples for um, Jonah, when we see in the um, book of Jonah where he was told to go to Nineveh and he decided not to go. I really appreciate the fact that when Jesus told the disciples to go to the other side, he set the direction and the disciples listened. And this is a really simple principle, but I think it's important as we think about the trajectory of our lives. Is Jesus setting the direction of your life? Is he the one who is giving you a sense of where to go, where to travel, um, where to be? And are you open and listening for him to give that command, for him to tell us where to go? Because the disciples did do that. They had been in the midst of ministry and Jesus said, we're going to go over to the other side. And they followed what he said to do. And so as you look at the choices in your life, 
as you look at the things that are ahead of you, as you look at the opportunities that Jesus may bring to you, as you reflect on his word and as you spend time in prayer, I just want to ask you, do you feel confident that he is setting the direction for where you need to go? Or are you stepping in and trying to decide how you might swerve from that direction to be able to do something that's more in line with what you want to do? So let Jesus set the direction, because when he does, we find a real blessing and we find lessons from him in it. So he goes out, he sets the direction, and then I love what happens next. In verse 36, it says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So the disciples got into the boat and there are two things I want to point out about this verse. One, they brought Jesus in the boat with them. Now, as I think about my life and I think about the boat that I'm on, the direction that I'm on, I can be feeling as if I'm following where God would have me to go. But sometimes there are moments where I can tell you that I am trying to go in that direction, but do it on my own strength. And what I appreciate this is that the disciples put Jesus in the boat with him. And they knew that having them, having him in the boat with them um, was such an important part of the journey itself. I was been thinking about some of the reasons why I don't sometimes have Jesus in the boat with me. And sometimes it's because I feel like there's sin in my life that keeps me from saying, hey, Jesus, you really don't want to get in my boat right now. I'm dealing with some things. I'm ashamed of some things that I've done that I don't let you into the boat. And what I appreciate about this verse in Mark is it says that he got in just as he was. Jesus was willing to get in as he was to the boat, no matter how messy it was, no matter what was going on with the boat. And so that for me is a real reassurance that when we invite Jesus to get in the boat with us, when we invite him to step into the boat, um, we can do it with a notion that no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what's happened in the past, no matter what sin we're struggling with, we can go ahead and invite him in. The other thing that is interesting about this verse is it says that there were other boats with him. And so I, I think about this flotilla of boats that might have been around where the disciples were, but it wasn't as if Jesus was only or exclusively able to deal with the disciples. When it says that the boats were with him, I get this sense that even though Jesus may have not been physically in the boat with those other um, boats that were around. He was with them. And when I sometimes think that maybe God is too busy to intervene in my life, when I sometimes look at all of the issues that are going around in the world, and I start to think that my kind of inconsequential personal storm may not uh, make sense or may not be something that God really cares about, I am bolstered by this fact that Jesus can be in your boat, and he can be in my boat, and he will be with us as that happens. So I just want to ask you this question, right? One, is Jesus in your boat right now? And if he's not, what's keeping you from having that relationship where you're allowing him to be in the hall, to be with you as you go through these storms? Is it because of a sin you're struggling with? Is it because of guilt? And what do you need to do to make sure that you understand that Jesus wants to come in just as he is, just as you are, and take that space as you move through the storm. And then, if one of the reasons why you haven't let him in the boat is you think that he's too busy in other people's boats, 
Will you take some time to really reflect on the fact that Jesus promises us that he cares for us personally and that we have the opportunity to bring him into our circumstance no matter what else is going on around us, no matter the fact that we may be dealing with multiple storms at the same time. But when chaos strikes, is the first person that you call, is the first instinct that you have to invite Jesus to be in that boat with you as you navigate what's going to happen. So we see that Jesus sets the direction. Jesus steps into the boat. And so he's in the boat when they're out there. And I imagine that that boat and the flotilla around them are experiencing calm waters. And then we see this storm just strike up, this squall kind of come in from nowhere. And when we look at verse 37, it says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So the storm hits, and I just imagine this furious storm with the winds blowing. It talks about how the waves are lapping over the boat. And when it happens, we find Jesus asleep. So Jesus has stepped into the boat, but Jesus sleeps through the storm. And when I read this, initially, you kind of sit there and go, wow, Lord, why didn't you wake up and tend to your disciples? Why didn't you use this as a chance to be able to quickly calm them and show them what was going on? No, Jesus sleeps through the storm. So what do we learn from that? Well, number one, I don't think this is a sign that Jesus was uncaring or thought that the storm was inconsequential. I think it just shows his supremacy, the fact that he is in control of everything. And that while we're sitting there trying to get the water over the side of the boat and we're trying to steer our way out of it and we're trying to figure out how we batten down the hatches when the storms happen, Jesus is in control. He's so much in control that he sleeps through the storm. And in no way should we sit there and think that that is a signal to us that um, he's kind of yawning his way through our issues or doesn't care at all. But he is so tied to the Father, just as we learned last week. He is so in control of our destiny and the direction that we're trying to go that he's able to have a placid, calm peace as we go through that storm. And we can learn from the fact that he was able to sleep through the storm so that when anxiety hits us, when panic hits us, and we're going to talk about that in in the next couple of weeks, but when those things happen, we have the opportunity to trust that Jesus is at the wheel, right? Jesus is in the storm, and he may be even asleep because he's so sure of where he wants us to go. So I've got to ask you this question. Have there been times in your life when these squalls come up, when this chaos hits, that you sit there and you say to yourself, Jesus is asleep. He's not in control. I'm having to do this on my own. And in that, Have you found yourself struggling in a way that you really don't need to? Or do you take a breath? Do you recognize his supremacy? Do you recognize that he's in control and allow him to be able to take the situation and do with it what you will? So in verse 39, it says, He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. One of the things I notice when I look at this verse is it doesn't say how long it was between the time that the disciples went down and Jesus got up and calmed the storm. And when I think about the fact that in three simple words, 
Jesus was able to still the chaos, to still the storm. It just reminds me that there may be times when that command isn't instantaneous. There may be gaps of time where the storm has to rage a little bit longer for God to accomplish his will in our life. And so I want to ask you, are you getting impatient with God as you think about the storms that have sprung up recently around you? Or do you recognize that it's in his perfect timing that Jesus can simply say those three words, quiet, be still. So Jesus stills the storm, but he does it in his timeline. And it's so interesting to me because I think about a time in my life right during the 2008 financial crisis when um, one day I was sitting on an airplane and three of my clients called all within a 30-minute period to cancel big pieces of work that we had planned for them. And it was like one wave after another just kept coming over the boat. And um, I did know that after that series of phone calls that I just needed to go to God and I needed to pray to him about what I was going to do with it. And I always think about this because that period of time, that series of storms lasted for about six months um, before I felt like there was a sense of quiet and a sense of be still. But throughout that time, I knew that because God was in control of that situation, that even as the chaos kept happening, that he would be able to still the waters when it was time for him. So I just have to ask you, do you take the long perspective when chaos hits? Do you um, get discouraged if there's not an immediate resolution? Do you get discouraged if it doesn't feel like God intervenes right away? Or are you so confident in his ability to say, quiet, be still, that you know that when he is in our boat, when he is taking control, he ultimately will still the storm. So think about kind of what we've seen so far, right? Jesus sets the direction. Jesus um, steps into the boat. Jesus sleeps through the storm. Jesus stills the storm. And if it just ended right there, we would have so much to learn about Jesus and his role as the Prince of Peace. But what I appreciate is that there's a little coda, there's a little ending to this story, which I think speaks a lot to us. So let's take a look. It says in verse 40, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And in verse 41, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So after Jesus intervenes, after he does all of those things, Jesus speaks to his disciples, and he uses it as a chance to reflect on what they've learned about him and what they've learned about their own faith. And I just want to come back to this because we are going to face storms. We're going to face a lot of different squalls that come up in our life. And I'm confident that if we give Jesus the time and he's in our boat, he will still the storms. But I want to make sure that we also take time to reflect on what we learn from Jesus in those storms to allow us to bolster our own faith, to allow us to be stronger when the next storm hits. And this questioning of the disciples to ask about their faith, I think is a really nice picture for what Jesus wants us to be able to do as we go through those storms in our own life. To step back and say, what did we learn? What did we learn about him? What did we learn about his sovereignty? What did we learn about his timing? What did we learn about his ability to take control of our lives? 
And as we reflect on that, and as we use that to draw closer to him and strengthen our own faith in him, do we have conversations with each other in small groups like this or with our family members or with the people in our business to say, what can we learn about our own faith through the storm that Jesus brings us through? You know, I think about um, ever since being a little boy, that, that verse at the very end, even the wind and the waves obey him. Um, it's something I've tried to teach to my own kids, um, Mark 4:41, just to remind them that he is in control of all things. And that proclamation that the disciples made, that even the wind and the waves obey him, I think is something that we're called to do as we think about our own witness and our own testimony in the places that God puts us. Are we willing to let people know that the wind and the waves do obey him? He is in control of our storms. And even if it takes a while to get to the direction that he's taking us towards, we can trust in him to be in control of the circumstances that are around us. That is a powerful, powerful statement that we can make to a world that so desperately needs to know that Jesus is in control. Chaos is going to happen in our lives. That text message will come that will create the storm. That email will be a squall that we'll have to get in. But if we allow Jesus to set the direction, if we allow him to step in our boat, if we allow him to sleep through the storm because he's in control, if we allow him to be the one who stills the storm, and we allow him to speak to us about what he would have us to know about him through the process, we can use the storms in our lives not only to find ways to grow stronger and to grow closer to him, but we can use it as a powerful way to speak to the world that needs to know about him. So avoid the chaos, know that it's coming though, and then jump in and allow Jesus to enter your boat.